Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs and we're back now joining us to talk with us about how do we say uh, American history in Chicago is Clarence Goodman thank you for coming on to the show Thank you very much for having me. So, let's start out with you. Um, Now, um, who are you? So we know that uh, who you are. Like, uh, what kind of uh, uh, things do you do in your life? Well, I'm a Chicago-based entertainer and historian, tour guide, musician, all kinds of hats that I wear. But I've always been fascinated by um, American history and uh, specifically with regard to uh, Chicago's history and Chicago's impact on American history. Any particular reason on Chicago? Well, I'm from Chicago. Um, I have had the fortune of having a couple of interesting parents who uh, have also shared a love of history and a love of reading and so forth, and the, the same can be said about my grandparents and aunts and uncles and so forth. But um, a stroke of luck actually led me to my favorite subject, which is uh, one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, political assassination. My, uh, my birthday is April 14th, and my fourth birthday was April 14th, 1965. And that's the first birthday that you're really thinking, oh, with the birthday, I've got to have a parade and a party and all of that. And that's why I heard the word... Uh, assassination and this guy Sam Lincoln and I started to ask my mother what is assassination and she very patiently explained to me what that was and about Lincoln and about the fellow who had just been killed a couple of years before by the name of uh, Jack Kennedy and I've been kind of obsessed ever since hmm. and so was there um, any particular one that really stuck out for you was there a uh, like you started getting into assassinations and uh and of course your parents weren't worried about you uh <laughs> becoming one i hope uh <laughs> if, if they were they never told me yeah and uh but was there was there as you were going through assassinations and kind of learning about them was there anything in particular that uh um drew you to one in particular that uh is kind of like above the rest Oh, uh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Jack Kennedy's assassination, yeah. Um, 
I, I'm not sure how old of a fellow you are, but if anybody, any American with any memories of the 1960s, uh, second maybe to Vietnam and the civil, or I should say third to Vietnam and the civil rights uh, movement, the, the long shadow of political assassination is incredible, and particularly with regard to JFK's. Uh, my mother started to get misty-eyed telling me about his assassination, and then a few years later, yeah, a few years after her telling me this story, um, Kennedy uh, was was shot dead, and I remember her crying then too. And, um, you know, when you're a little kid and you see your parents cry, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it shocked the whole country um, like it hadn't been done before, you know. Um, uh, so now how do you – now you tie a lot of your assassinations to Chicago. I do. And, and, Quite and, by act. Well, and and how do you do that? Like what? what like for instance, with the JF, JFK one, how is what? What's there, what are the ties to that? Oh my goodness! Um, JFK's assassination. Well, um, one Jack Ruby was born in Chicago. Jack Ruby grew up in a tenement house uh, across the street from the Maxwell Street precinct house, which is uh, in the, the near west side of Chicago, and that's the precinct house where Hill Street Blues was set, and that's uh, and it's a haunted building, um, notorious for uh, a number of uh, tortures, uh, torturing of prisoners. It was infamous for that um, back in the early parts uh, and to middle part of the 20th century. That's one thing. Um, one of the strange, one of the strangest things, and this is something that I uh, discovered very early on, and only started to talk about once I started giving guided tours of Chicago. I was reading a book about Kennedy's assassination, and there was a picture of Oswald's rifle, which he had ordered from um, uh, a sporting goods store via catalog in Chicago called Clyde's Sporting Goods. It was in downtown Chicago. And then the caption of the photograph said that Klein Sporting Goods used as their clearinghouse the merchandise mark, as many smaller catalogs did uh, in the middle part of the 20th century, because Chicago essentially invented mail-order work. And I immediately, and this was a little kid, so I must have been pre, preordained for this or something. I put two and two together and I said, oh my gosh, Oswald ordered his rifle through building owned by Kennedy's family, which the Kennedy family owned the, the merchandise mark from 1944, I believe, to about 10 years ago. Um, that is, that's a huge one. Kennedy's uh, election was masterminded and bankrolled and bullied largely by Sam G. and Kana, with the assistance, of course, of Kennedy's dad, Joe Kennedy, and the mayor of Chicago, the Honorable Richard J. Daley, who all met at the Ambassador East Hotel shortly after the Democratic Convention in 1960 to talk about how they were going to get Illinois and Cook County in the Kennedy column, which happened to be also the Hotel Kennedy stayed the night before uh, he hit Three weeks before Kennedy was killed in Dallas, a plot was uncovered in Chicago to kill Kennedy. Kennedy was due to drive in an open-car motorcade, as was his want, through downtown Chicago after leaving the airport to the um, Soldier Field for the Army-Navy football game. And when this plot was, was uncovered, literally the Secret Service canceled this trip to Chicago that day, while people were waiting in line to get to the, into the ballpark to see the president. And it goes, uh, that's just, that just scratches the surface when it comes to uh, the Kennedy assassination ties to Chicago. But most notably, uh, or most importantly, I should say, it's the uh, organized crime um, aspect of it. There's been always been the, the, the speculation that Sam G. and Kana and Carlos Marcelos 
um, Johnny Rosselli, that triumvirate of mafioso fellows uh, essentially ordered the hit on Kennedy. Hmm. And so uh, how, how do you feel about it, um, having grown up in these uh, these areas and, and studying it so much for yourself without any political sort of affiliation in that sense? What what was your determination of this? Do you actually think that uh, it was the mob, and do you think that uh, Oswald actually did do the shooting, or how do you come out of it? Well, I was always skeptical about Oswald, and there's just too many coincidences for there not to have been some sort of conspiracy, and. Um, there are a number of wonderful investigative uh, reporters and writers, many of whom have passed away, sadly, who spent their, their lives' work uh, digging and scratching and, and coming, putting themselves in harm's way, to be completely frank with you, as far as finding the truth. And um, I've been convinced for a number of decades that um, the, the organized crime, aspects of organized crime, based in Chicago and based in New Orleans, um, really put the, the finger on Kennedy. And then when you finally, as an, as an assassination uh, buff from the most lettered um, and revered and learned to just the ghoulish type of, of uh, assassination ghouls who just are just interested in this stuff, everybody... One of the pilgrimages you have to make is to Dealey Plaza, and when you get to Dealey Plaza and you go up into the Sixth Floor Museum, which of course was uh, originally the Texas School Book Depository, and you go to the window next to where they have re rebuilt the so-called sniper's nest, there's no way in the world that Lee Oswald could have made that shot using perhaps the word, I mean, the, 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 the rifle that Oswald allegedly used was, was jokingly referred to as the rifle that lost World War II for Italy. It was so bad. <laughs> and, and when you see the dimensions of Dealey Plaza and knowing that he was just an average marksman, um, there's no way. And, uh, yeah, I, skeptic, I was skeptical, and then there's, I will go to my grave believing that Oswald was just, um, at the worst, or at the least, rather, just kind of a chump. And maybe, at the, at, the, at the most, he was kind of an indirect conspirator who didn't realize he was being set up as the Patsy. Yeah, kind of got used. Mm-hmm. So, now, other, now you've tied... Uh, Chicago to other assassinations. What are some of the other ones that you were tying them to? Well, the question is actually is which ones aren't tied. Oh. Um, <laughs> and this is another thing I kind of came across quite by accident. I was, I was working for uh, a tour company in Chicago whose specialty is has been tours that are um, the more bizarre and strange and unusual and ghoulish. And the owners of the company were looking for some new tours to do. And so I thought, let me see how many assassinations I can tie to Chicago. And I was able, downtown Chicago specifically, um, and I was able to tie every major assassination or assassination attempt with the exception of, let's see, the attempt on Andrew Jackson because Chicago had not been did yet or incorporated the assassination of attempt of um, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Let's see, Jackson. The assassination attempt on uh, Harry Truman doesn't really have a Chicago tie. The assassination attempt on um, George Wallace does not have a Chicago tie, but every other one does, starting with Abraham Lincoln, Bill McKinley. Um, Teddy Roosevelt, the assassination attempt of him, Garfield in 1881, Chicago tie, of course, Jack Kennedy, as we had said, Bob Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, 
Reagan, John Lennon, they all have Chicago ties strong enough that a person could come up with a three-hour tour talking about all of these things, which is exactly what I did. Wow. So now you're doing a three-hour tour on this. Um, are you doing this every week? or? I, I gave this tour a handful of times, and I've given this tour privately. Um, sadly, for me, I seem to be the only one who's interested in this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, since Chicago is not known, since Chicago is not one of the meccas, if you will, for assassinations like the Lee Plaza and going to Ford's Theater, going to the National Civil Rights Museum, things of that nature, people aren't looking for it. Um, I remember the first time I gave the tour, I had a full bus. And then the second time I gave the tour, the bus was half full. And then uh, when a production of Stephen Sondheim's The Assassins was, was put on, produced in Chicago, I was going to give one of the tours as part of the opening night event, and uh, nobody seemed interested. So there you go. Oh. All of that college and education wasted. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> why do you think that is? Just uh, They just don't associate with Chicago with assassination. Perhaps, and perhaps it's that people care less and less about history. Maybe it's that. Hmm. Very, very few uh, people that I meet outside of my closest circle of friends and my um, my my league, my fraternity, sorority, if you will, of people who are interested in Chicago history and the paranormal and and uh, things of that nature. They really don't care. It seems they're they're more interested in the here and the now and anything older than a year ago is ancient history to them. Wow. <clears throat> it won't be long and it'll be their life here and now will be ancient history then, right? It's Sadly, you are absolutely right. Yeah. That's uh, just... Uh, so you also... I, I, I also noticed going through... You, you're also doing tours. So about the, the serial killer. So... When you say the first serial killer, you're probably talking about H.H. Holmes, right? That's where it starts. Yeah, if you're doing a chronological timeline, um, he's the granddaddy of them all when it comes to American serial killers. And do you, you give a full turn on that? So, uh, what's is the hotel? Yeah. Is the hotel still t standing in Chicago? That he, the, the you know the killer castle is it still up and running? Oh, no, no. Um, the, the murder castle, as it was uh, referred to, he built in the latter part of um, the 1880s. And he didn't build it uh, initially with the idea that it was going to be this World's Fair Hotel. He kind of built it as a dorm that he was going to lure women to. And it was just a happy coincidence for him that, one, right after he finished building it, Chicago was awarded World's Fair. So he had two years to get ready for it, and the World's Fair was going to be, uh, the, the campus was going to be a very short striking distance from where he built this three-store dormitory uh, with businesses and so forth, and then he uh, converted it to uh, this uh, official World's Fair hotel, as he called it, and it stood for many decades after not only he left Chicago, but after his own execution, and it stood until 1938 and was uh, on the verge of being turned into a tourist visitor location. And the city of Chicago, as is their tendency, kind of condemned it behind closed doors and destroyed it, but pre proceeded to build the United States Post Office in part on top of the original cellar or basement or dungeon that was part of the murder castle and so part of the paranormal and a uh, really, really seedy history of that structure and of that site is that the place, the actual part, in part, the actual portion of Holmes's murder castle where most of the murders and torturing and certainly uh, the, the disposal of the bodies and the articulation of the skeletons and so forth, that remains and all, with all of its vibrations 
and uh, bad juju. <laughs> so, uh, now, so you're obviously, you believe in the paranormal in in some some respect. Um, it's, is it a lot of reports of people seeing and having weird things happen around the post office? Yes, um, particularly when the murder castle still was standing. Uh, the neighbors of that area, which was um, was and still is called Inglewood, they would go, they would walk by the murder castle, walking their dogs, going to work or whatever, catching the streetcar, catching the elevated train because there's an elevated uh, track right there, and they would hear people screaming and calling out and so forth. And then um, after the castle itself was demolished, the 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 superstructure or the substructure of it, many people who've worked in the post office who have not been mum about some of the things that have gone on there have been very, very candid as far as the weird sensations and the weird noises and stuff that they hear there. Um, and then most notably, the great-great-grandson of H.H. H. Holmes, um, a writer friend of mine by the name of Jeff Mudgett, took the film team down there, and they crawled into the underbelly of this, this place designed by his great-grandfather. And Jeff, to paraphrase, he thought he was having some sort of seizure and heart attack because of the, the, the vibrations and so forth that he was feeling. Mm. Yeah, actually, we just had a, uh, an afternoon with Jeff and uh, just aired his show uh, last, last Monday. And uh, yeah, interesting person, and uh, quite the uh, he is. quite the story uh, um, to go through what he went through. Um, so, at that point, so they took down uh, the castle. It's a post office, and there's still things going on. Have they been sending paranormal teams there and trying to investigate, or just people just not talk about it? Oh, people have done it. There have been not only... Uh, Jeff's is not the only visitation to the place, but a few paranormal teams have gone there, and they've all, not only anecdotally through their their human types of vibrations and so forth, but the uh, paranormal investigators who take their EVP equipment and so forth and readings and, and electronic things, they've reported back that, that many of their, their findings have just been off the charts. The, the, the Holmes phenomenon, it, it, it reaches beyond the walls or the, the foundation of the murder castle. I mean, the, the curse of H.H. H. Holmes continued for quite some time, extending to everybody who had something to do with him. So what was the curse? Well... When he was hanged back, and I believe it was 1896 or 97, just shy, I believe, of his 36th birthday, he was hanged at Moyamessing Prison in Philadelphia. And um, he had stipulated that he didn't want anybody messing with his body after, it was, after he was um, passed away. So he uh, stipulated that his body be put encased in, in concrete and in the concrete encased in another a coffin and the coffin encased in concrete and sarcophagus and then that whole thing lowered down into an unmarked grave. Well, in spite of all of that, a number of people, key players who had something to do with his trial, incarceration and execution and so forth, wound up dying shortly after he was hanged, including the foreman of the jury, the priest who read the, re the last rites over him, the judge of the trial, key witnesses um, that were relatives to uh, the, the, the young women that he had um, done these atrocities to and so forth. And then most notably and most shockingly, his last fraud, because, you know, Holmes was not only a master murderer, but a master swindler and, and fraud artist as well. Um, his last fraud was against the Fidelity Mutual Insurance Company of Philadelphia. And after Holmes was executed, their whole headquarters in Philadelphia burnt the ground. 
and the one thing that they could salvage from the rubble that they found was a framed picture of H.H. Holmes. Hmm. Now, from what I hear from Jeff is that they're going to uh, bring up his body now, hey, and uh, because he was buried in cement. Right. And uh, to test his uh, DNA. Yes, that'll be very interesting. Yeah. Lots of excitement in Chicago. <laughs> there always is. <laughs> always is. So what other uh, ones, do, is that the uh, on your tour of serial killers uh, that you kind of had? Um, n- what other serial killers do you talk about? Oh, well, much like the assassins, um, the serial killer thread runs long and meanders all over the place, and it uh, includes what I like to um, refer to as all three schools of of serial killers. Um, Historians, particularly Chicago historians um, and architectural buffs and the like, we we are versed in that there are two schools of architecture in Chicago, school of R&B, school of hip-hop, school of Chicago journalism, school of uh, broadcasting, all of these things that are specific to the Chicago experience. There are, in my mind, three schools of serial killer, the first school being the Victorian era serial killer, which begins in the Jack the Ripper Holmes era and continues until just before, um, just before, actually sometime during the uh, Prohibition Great Depression era. And mostly these serial killers in first school killed with poison, and they killed for insurance money. The second school of serial killer begins around World War II, sometime in the latter part of, of the Great Depression and, and World War II it begins. And um, this was about lust and blood and murder, and rarely was the killing done for um, insurance money. And that lasted really, well, that continues to this day, really. And then the third school of serial killer starts at some point in the latter part of the 20th century, and it's the political manifesto lone nut person who decides that he is going to kill people as a protest against the government or the American way or something like that. And, 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 and the, two, the two that come to mind straight away with me are the Unabomber and the uh, I-95 sniper uh, duo that was terrorizing the East Coast. And I was living out there in the Richmond to Washington, D.C. corridor where all that went down, and that was horrifying. So now that I laid that out, I'm sorry if I got a little uh, long-winded. It's my nature, but I, I, I wanted to lay that out so we could kind of differentiate. So in the shadows of Holmes, the serial killers in Chicago, that first school, you have uh, a man who actually worked for Holmes by the name of Johann Otto Hawk, who became known as Chicago's Bluebeard, and he poisoned girlfriends, fiancés, and wives to, I believe, the tune of a couple of dozen in the Chicago area and throughout the Midwest, and this was strictly for money. You also have Adolf Lutger, the notorious sausage fat murderer of Chicago, who ultimately was was in the process of making his wife's body into sausage when he was caught. So thank goodness for wow. pizza lovers that he was <laughs> caught in the nick of time. Um, you also have the mysterious Bell Gunnis, perhaps one of the most notorious, uh, if not the most notorious, uh, women serial killers in American history. Um, then almost contemporary with her, uh, Tilly Gaburik, who was uh, in the same neighborhood as Bell Gunnis and... Uh, killed between five and ten people, I do believe, neighbors and a few of her husbands, because uh, her story is interesting, let's put it that way. Um, And then that starts to round out 
our Chicago participants in the first school. Well, and then we get into the bloodthirsty second school, which includes the notorious uh, lipstick killer on the north side of Chicago. And that, of course, then we also get into the John Wayne Gacy's and then mass murderers like Richard Speck and Jeffrey Dahmer, who reared his head in Chicago a time or two. And then just coincidentally enough, perhaps the man who has gotten the most mileage from the fewest number of murders, Ed Gein in Plainfield, Wisconsin, the man upon whom Psycho and the Silence of the Lambs are uh, both based. His first victim was a former Chicago madam by the name of Mary Hogan. She moved, she took her money that she made and moved to Plainfield, Wisconsin, and opened a tavern, and one thing led to another, and she wound up Ed Gein's first victim. Um, and he, if you know anything about him, he was uh, quite a trip. The uh... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fellow in Gary, Indiana, uh, Dion, uh, Darren Dion, um, I'm forgetting his last name, I'm sorry, a fairly recent one. Um, one of his first victims was uh, a young African-American uh, woman, uh, girl, I mean, a kid, in addition to uh, the other women that he killed, but she was a Chicago girl, and he murdered her, I believe, at the Motel 6 in Hammond, Indiana, as was his want to kill um, prostitutes and escorts and so forth. And, uh, yeah, those are the main ones. I'm sure I'm leaving out somebody right now. Um, there are a lot of them. And then, of course, uh, Ted Kuczynski is our uh, Chicago representative for that third school, the Unabomber, born on the south side of Chicago in Pilsen and then reared in Evergreen Park before moving on to Harvard, uh, Harvard University at the tender age of 16 years old, where he was uh, emotionally ill-equipped 
to deal with that kind of separation, and it that was the beginning of the end of him. Right, right. Do you think there's a reason that uh, Chicago has so much uh, high-profile uh, serial killers? Oh, sure. Um, a lot of sociologists um, have concluded that the advent of the Industrial Revolution era and on super duper metropolitan area is one of the biggest determining factors and accelerants, if you will, when it comes to the modern day serial killer. And it's not a coincidence in my mind that our serial killers begin with the Victorian era and the Victorian era coincided with the Industrial Revolution, or at least overlapped it. And so, imagine, Al, you know, growing up in a town where you essentially know everybody your whole life. Maybe you're raised on a farm, maybe you work in a general store, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a shopkeeper, something like that. You know all of the same people, particularly your contemporaries. Maybe you go to the same house of worship that kind of stuff, and you're all buried in the same cemetery, maybe. Um, and then imagine that, contrast that with um, living in a building that maybe has more people than your whole town, that of which we just spoke. Hmm. You, you, it kind of makes you desensitized to people and desensitized to the human condition. And all of the things all of the stresses and pressures that we have in the modern world make way more people snap uh, than they did 100, 150, 200 years ago. And there's a moral decay in the average Westerner, not the average person in the so-called second or third world or anything like that. Certainly, first world problems have led to first world decay and how we treat one another, and how men treat women, and how men treat children, and how men treat elderly people, and everybody treats animals, and all of these things. And uh, and then once you do it, once you cross that threshold, you it, you you've done it, and the precedent has been set. And um, doing it again and again and again are pretty easy. When you, when you look at the serial killers, each one of them had a number of things in common, not just from the standpoint of their DNA and the standpoint of their, their psychology, but each one of them seemed to have some sort of traumatic event that really turned the tide as far as where they were going. And I don't think it's a coincidence there's an enormous amount of time that spans between the first event, that is their first murder and their second murder, with the ex including H.H. H. Holmes. If, if we're to leave everything that's implied about him, he went decades between his first murder and his second. Hmm. And, and so uh, there's the same old question, but uh, why do certain serial killers stick out? and stay with us a hundred years later, whereas others that could do worse just disappear? That's an excellent question. Um, and then, you know what we just said about assassinations and people not being interested in history so much? Maybe with regard to serial killers, the ones who aren't in, in our midst, we start to romanticize about, about and then films are made about them, and documentaries are made about them, and national best-selling books come on about them and come out about them. And oh my goodness gracious! I remember what. Remember when the Silence of the Lamb came out? Um, people couldn't get enough about serial killing. And then when all of the the wave of forensic television shows, both staged and reality-based, came out in the latter part of the 2000s, or the early part of the 2000s, not only did people start really getting interested in things like that, but I was working in college admission then, and the number of kids interested in being these profiling types 
just soared. I mean, my girlfriend's eldest daughter wants to join the FBI, I think largely because she's addicted to that television show, uh, Criminal Minds. So where do you see the uh, the whole serial killer thing going now? Do you think this is going to become more mainstream, more common, uh, a lot more serial killers coming out, or is it just going to fade away with a change in times? Uh, probably it'll never fade. Um, if we are to believe what a lot of cops tell us, there are more active serial killers working today than and prolific than there were 100 and 150 years ago, maybe even 50 years ago. Um, and all it takes is a television show like Dexter or um, there's a show on Fox called Hope Following. I don't mean to give people uh, free publicity, but these shows are really, really compelling. And so as long as these fictionalized versions keep people's interest up, and so forth, and, and you had the Law and Order shows and all of that, then some serial killer that will come along, real serial killer that will capture the minds and imaginations of people and scare the heck out of people, and then time will pass, and then there'll be a movie about the person or a documentary or whatever, um, and it'll be, it'll be perpetuated. On, on on some of these um, uh, things we've talked about, so like on the, uh, you know, the serial killers and stuff, and um, and even the assassinations and attempts, have you um, read um, some of the people's books about I- any of the subjects, and have you really liked or would like to promote anybody? Uh, is there anybody you think gets it right? Wow, that's that's a great, great question. Um, with regard to serial killers, I think um, Richard Lindbergh, a local Chicago author, is and is a terrific nuts and bolts true crime writer, and he's written, I believe, three books that are a series of walking tours of all of these infamous crime sites that you can see in Chicago. And uh, girlfriend and I took a tour of his uh, last summer, I believe it was, and it was fascinating. Stuff stuff I knew about, but I didn't know where the exact building was and that kind of stuff. And he did it without agenda, without emotion, which is what people like that have to uh, really uh, do. There is another, um, oh my goodness, there's another author who, who has written a couple of books, and I'm sorry, his name is escaping me. If, you, if any of your listeners have seen the documentary by John Borowski, H.H. Holmes, America's First Serial Killer, there is um, an investigative author who I believe his name is also Richard, but he's written a book called Depraved, and uh, he's written a book about Holmes. He's written books about other serial killers. The filmmaker John Borowski whose life work seems to be uh, serial killers is fantastic. Those are the ones that come to mind now with regard to serial killers. Um, the assassinations thing, it, it's almost better if a person completely ignores the Kennedy assassination because <laughs> there's sadly more books written about Jack Kennedy's death than his life, like 10 times the number of books written about his death than his life, and from every different angle, no pun intended, every different agenda, some of the weirdest, most ridiculous drivel, all the way to some of just Pulitzer-worthy journalism and investigative writing uh, done about his assassination. Um, We went to see a play uh, last week from my girlfriend's birthday, all these assassination theater, and it was about Kennedy's assassination. And uh, we were both looking forward to it, and it was very entertaining and everything. But at the last, in the last half hour, the narrative took the turn of saying how important Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy were, this, that, and the other thing, and it swayed from the facts. And you can't get emotional 
about these things. I don't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat or a Martian. You can't shoot the president. And that's what I care about. I care about bringing bastards to justice who shoot our president and who shoot our senators, that kind of thing. I don't care about how a person votes. And so that's, how you, that's why you have to stay uh, really, really detached. Um, so removing Kennedy's name from the list, all of the books about John Wilkes Booth are fascinating. There was a book that came out um, a couple of years ago called The uh, President and the Assassin about Bill McKinley and Leon Shoskosh, which uh, was really, really interesting. Um, there's very little written about President Garfield because he wasn't in office very long, but his assassin, Charles Gatow, that might be the weirdest of all of our presidential assassins. I mean, he was weirder than... Oswald, Charles Gush, um, and uh, Booth rolled into one. Um, the, the, a book about Malcolm X, which just came out um, a few years ago called Malcolm X, A Life of Reinvention, is fascinating from the perspective of the climate of the nation of Islam and the hostility directed towards Malcolm once he had been kind of excommunicated by um, Elijah Muhammad. It's really interesting. Sadly, that author, after working on the book for 25 years, died the week before it was published, which is one of mm. the biggest tragedies I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I think a person will not be able to go wrong when it comes to assassination books. Just be careful with the Kennedy ones, because those almost always have a political agenda as opposed to a factual yeah, there's, uh, you know, because I've had several. Actually, speaking before, I would say we did have the uh, director, John Borowski. His his show will air the same time as yours. Um, great, great man. We had a really good talk. And um, now on to the assassination part. Yeah, uh, I've had so many people um, on this. And you're you're right. There seems to be some sort of an agenda of it's it's usually something political and um that jades it i'm not sure how i can take the information when they um i mean everybody puts their own spin from what they see and believe but um it kind of makes it worse does doesn't it blur it more for you absolutely um i think the best example of that is jfk by oliver stone Oliver Stone is such an avowed liberal and Kennedy fan that that not only comes out in his narrative, but it, to me, taints the, 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 the point of view. It, it taints the filmmaking narrative of JFK. Visually, JFK is a stunning piece of film, but you almost need to mute the sound because it's Stone's personal agenda as a liberal as opposed to his agenda as a filmmaker and as an historian. And I, I thought that, you know, that film came out 25 years ago. Yeah. A few years ago, he did a very short uh, series of uh, documentaries for HBO, I believe it was, of the secret history of the United States. And... Um, it was really, really interesting until he got to Jack and Bobby Kennedy, where suddenly he was like this honorary Kennedy talking about how, how these cats were the greatest things since sliced bread. And that makes you, if you're trying to be objective like me, it makes you just kind of cover your ears and go, la, 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 la. And my goodness, if, if I were conservative and trying to watch something and then started to get this narrative about history tainted by what I perceive to be a liberal point of view, it would really turn me off. Yeah. No, and I agree totally. I just wonder but what, what that has done to our ability to get information out. I, I, because on one side, yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, over-glamorizing, let's say, uh, the Kennedy brothers, and and so everything is 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 gold there and uh and he probably goes too far 
And at the same yeah. time, uh, you know, you want a piece of information that's just non-biased. And this is the fact. This is kind of what happened. This is where he got shot, who is all this stuff. You try to assimilate a proper order of things. But it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just really, uh, it's a, it's a thin line because uh, if they weren't, what I'm saying is if they weren't political in the aspect, if it wasn't about a president, and this was a movie that Oliver Stone had created about some sort of um, a movie star, or, uh, who knows, just or an, uh, an author of a book who, who had written or something in a, in a non-political sort of thing. And and he wrote in the same fashion and dressed this person up. Um, then there it, w- it would be taken better. Do you know? Hmm. Do, you, do you know what I'm saying? That, uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Because um, um, I get well, I get the I'm same sorry. thing. I get the same thing from both sides. Because okay, so I deal with Oliver Stone and his movie, and on his side, I dealt with Judith Baker, who was the girlfriend of Lee Harvey Oswald. She's on. She said that's exactly how it was. His movie was the best thing ever. And then on the other side, I, I talk with Roger Stone, who's now in the political forum um, for Donald Trump, <laughs> and uh, with a complete opposite to it, and a complete opposite of how um, you know it's to kind of bring it in he's trying to tie it into now politics nowadays and who's running and uh you can get lost so easy on where these people really are trying to bring you it's it's not really about the truth no it it's not um uh my girlfriend and I as we were doing the uh postmortem about the play we saw we were and, and my, my girlfriend is a, con, a conservative Republican, and I'm a, a moderate liberal, so we have these very spirited uh, political uh, discussions. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and uh, she was in rare form, making me love her even more. Um, and we came to the conclusion that it's going to take the... It's going to take the eventual death of everybody who was an adult when either Kennedy was assassinated to look at their work objectively and to look at the facts about their assassinations objectively and not be swept up in all of that. I mean, you can turn on cable television anytime, any day, and I bet you there is some documentary romanticizing some aspect of the Kennedy family or the Kennedy administration, many of them without merit. Um, And that's just not how historians need to act. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be a little bit more, um, you know, um, a little bit more to the fact. Yep. And less to the emotion. And, uh, and, 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 you know, that's really a tough, it's tough um, because the uh, journalism world is uh, not what it was once. So, <laughs> and, and yeah. you're right, you're right. And so many of the people in the powers that be on for whatever party they want to claim to be um, um, do it completely as an op- opposition, you know. It's... Uh, it's really, really bizarre. Um, so, but so you don't really have any view on what you think happened there. I mean, as in uh, um, who did it, uh, or I mean, obviously Oswald was not. If he was involved, he wasn't the lone character. He didn't make the plot. Um, so you've really had no real good book or source that you've gone to that you you felt was uh, kind of pretty well done um yeah there's one book i read about 25 years ago and once again i'm forgetting the 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 author's name but it has to do with mafia exploits in political assassination in america and the two main 
subjects are obviously the assassination of Jack Kennedy, but an even closer to the Chicago thing, the assassination of Mayor Anton Cermak, which many people thought was a botched assassination attempt of President-elect Franklin Delano Roosevelt a few weeks before he was inaugurated in 1933. And that was uh, that was a, a classic foray of the mafia into the political spectrum. Um, many people don't understand that um, organized crime in America, with regard to the Sicilian mafia, prior to the advent of, of prohibition, it was about extortion, really, and uh, kidnapping, this type of thing, and prohibition made organized crime in every facet, and of course, and that set the template for drug money and so forth and drug cartels, that made organized crime in America what it, what it is today. And, uh, when, and it was during this time when the first politicians crossed these new powerful entities of organized crime that they got... Uh, Knocked down. So the election started getting fixed by the mafia. I mean, uh, Al Capone, as the junior, the, the, the junior president of the South Mob, when he was working for Johnny Torrio, they fixed an election and uh, a riot broke out. And this was this was really when Al Capone started to uh, flex his muscles, as 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 it were. And it was uh, Capone's direct. Uh, his, his uh, direct, hand-picked successor, Frank the Enforcer, who pushed the button on Tony Cermak, and it was made to look like an assassination attempt of FDR in, in Miami, Florida, in, in 33. So, Chicago is quite a violent town. <laughs> yeah, there have been rumors to that for that, that. Yeah, I've heard stories. <laughs> now, is, is there any, uh, do you think Chicago is more so than any other city in the U.S.? Well, certainly today, it seems like we have once again become the homicide capital of the United States. Um, part of the thing with Chicago is we Chicagoans, and this is the term Windy City comes not from the weather, but how much politicians talk. We Chicagoans have a tendency to um, not only have the greatest city in the world, but to, at every opportunity, tell you that our city is the greatest city in the world. And goodness knows, if the Cubs win the World Series, uh, the rest of you people are not going to hear the end of it. Let me tell you that <laughs> right now. Um, and, yeah, so like I said, this is where the term the Windy City comes from. And so we are louder and brasher, and as many New York uh Organized crime fellows in the 20s and 30s used to say, more uncouth, um, whereas the, the New York organized crime button man's preferred way to kill in the 1920s was uh, a handgun at close range, very, very personal. Chicago, we essentially patented use of the Thompson machine gun, also known as the Chicago typewriter, because it was not used outside of Chicago, really until 1929. So it, there's that. There's advertising it. You know, you can be the biggest criminal in the world, but if you're mum about it, nobody knows. If you um, are the biggest criminal in the world and wear the loudest, brightest colored suits in the world, Al Capone, please pick up the white courtesy phone, then everybody knows about it. Certainly interesting. A lot of great history in, in your in your city, and and now so tell us about you. Actually, now um, you um, are a musician, right? I am. I'm a I'm a musician and uh, ad hoc jack of all trades, entertainer, storyteller, historian. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Now, are you doing albums in that right now, or? Oh yeah, I um I have a, a, a record uh, that I call "Don't Fret" uh, myself and and a uh, few other people on uh, songs that I've written and uh, sing and play guitar on. Uh, I also uh, and an accompanist, full principal accompanist for uh, local children's 
music star, uh, Miss Carol and Macaroni Soup, and I played on a couple of her records. Working on some uh, recording projects with the, uh, the brilliant, brilliant uh, lecturer and writer and leading Chicago ghost florist, Ursula Bielski, who's also a fine musician in her own right. We're, we're working on some, uh, some experimental stuff. I just produced her first seat uh, of her reading her stories, and, uh, and then I perform out there. I had a, I had a gig this morning and uh, two yesterday, as a matter of fact. Wow, keep on going. <laughs> and uh well, somebody's got Yeah, somebody's gotta do it. Now uh now you're doing the uh music and tours. So um what's what's kind of uh how do people find out about going to uh any of your shows? My website is uh clarencegoodman.wix.com slash Clarence Goodman and I try to update it as far as my uh my public tours and my public shows are concerned. Of course, I'm on Facebook if anybody wants to befriend me on Facebook. And, uh, I'm also, and then I also have a Facebook page called C Chicago Tours, C, the initial C Chicago Tours, for updates as far as um, my public tours and events are concerned. Wow. So you are a busy man. Um, I try. Well, that, and that's good. I mean, you sound really, um, really happy. You sound very involved in this. This seems to uh, give you drive. So it's obviously the right thing, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and 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 thank you for recognizing the the excitement and the lilt in my voice because I'm a pretty uh, content um, individual. Uh, I'm doing work that I love. I live in the greatest city in the world, and I have the most spectacular woman in my life, and uh, two nice parents who are still alive, and um, oodles and oodles of interesting people that I, I see and speak to every day. Well, yeah, you see, and that's I think that's what life's about, and it sounds like you, um, are, you, you just are totally... Um, Enthralled, and I think that's great because that's uh, uh, people feel your spirit, and that's important. Um, comes across great that way. Thank you. Yeah, and um, okay, um, we we we've come to the end of the hour, and I I appreciate this. I wanted to get a little rundown, kind of, and kind of what you do, and 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 uh, what's going on in Chicago, and it sounds like a lot, and. <laughs> And, <laughs> Thank you. And uh, you're certainly a good man to be doing it. Um, I think you're the right man for the job. And uh, and and um, hopefully we can do it again. Hopefully we can do some catch ups and and talk again. I, I'd love to have you back. And uh, maybe oh, I, I well, um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to. Uh, doing it again and I certainly look forward to uh, listening to your show featuring me yeah <laughs> show is over for now was it as good for you as it was for me well good night this has been a production of the Z Talk radio network I'll be back even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 